I can show you what I'm taking right now. So in the morning, I take um, Wellbutrin. It has to do with uh, making adrenaline. It's the white one. Um, and then I also have uh, these two guys. The pink ones are uh, Seroquel extended release <laughs> and that's um it's a uh, it's used as a mood stabilizer but i believe it's also used as an antipsychotic and the small blue one is um clonazepam it's a benzo which a lot of people really frown on um but there's i also suffer from anxiety panic disorder uh so that's actually to uh stop me from having panic attacks because usually i have like Three a week. Welcome to episode five of Interesting Vancouver Presents. Interesting Vancouver Presents is a series of conversations with ordinary Vancouverites leading extraordinary lives. I'm your host, David Swanson, and today, Interesting Vancouver Presents Sarah Jickling. Sarah is a Vancouver-based singer-songwriter who we were lucky enough to have speak and perform at our 2015 Interesting Vancouver event. When she's on stage, what I notice the most is how she emotes when she sings. Her face is always really animated, like an actor on stage in some Broadway show gesturing really big so she can reach the people in the back row of the theater. In person, though, Sarah's really quite shy. She's tall, but she hunches over just a little bit when she stands and doesn't hold eye contact for too long during conversation. But on stage, the shyness completely evaporates. Any awkward interpersonal tendencies disappear. She charms her audience with seemingly no effort, and her presence is, well, it's magnetic. In her relatively short career, she's already accomplished a lot. She's toured across the country. She's performed on our national stage at Canadian Music Week, which is a pretty big deal. She's received mainstream radio airplay, including on the CBC, and she's stacked up a bunch of glowing reviews. But what's even more impressive than this list of accomplishments is that Sarah has done all of this while suffering with a debilitating mental illness. I was diagnosed with bipolar a while ago, a couple of years ago. Um, I just went to my family doctor and, you know, she asked enough questions and said... I think that you might have bipolar. Up to that point, the only time I've heard about, I had heard about, had been in movies, basically to describe crazy people, and I didn't feel crazy. When she said the word bipolar, I just kind of said no. And so I left. Every time I, I became very depressed, I would go to like a walk-in clinic doctor, and those doctors would just kind of ask me how my week had been. And when you look at bipolar one week at a time, it will look like different illnesses. You really have to look at 
someone's year. And what ended up having to happen was I ended up going to a hospital and saying, you know, I'm going to kill myself. And then when you do that, they give you a psychiatric assessment, which takes an hour. And they ask you a lot of different questions. And finally, I was diagnosed again, but... Um, by that time, I was kind of ready, ready to hear it and ready to do something about it. So what exactly is bipolar disorder? Yeah, it's a mood disorder, and people who have it are often depicted as emotionally erratic. But how is it different from something like, say, depression? Hi, I'm Dr. Steve Mathias. I'm an adolescent and young adult psychiatrist, and I work at St. Paul's at the Inner City Youth Program. So bipolar disorder is considered a a mood disorder. Uh, Dr. Matthias explained that bipolar disorder is a cycle between two opposing moods. So there's an up mood, this is called mania, and a down mood, or depression. Okay, I want you to imagine a roller coaster. If somebody is in a manic state, they're ascending a steep and very high peak on the track of the roller coaster. When they reach the peak, They rapidly fall down the other side, speeding down the tracks till they reach the bottom of the other side of the peak. And then after some time, maybe very soon, maybe not, they begin to climb another peak and the cycle starts over. These tend to happen uh, in cycles. Uh, Sometimes they can happen once a year or even less frequently than that, but they can also happen monthly or even weekly. Uh, Manic episodes are typically uh, periods of time where for days on end, uh, people may not sleep, they can become very disinhibited, they may suffer from psychosis, Uh, their function is is severely impaired, so much so that they uh, often uh, need hospitalization uh, or significant care. They also have uh, rather severe depressive episodes. Individuals can uh, experience suicidal thoughts uh, really at any time uh, in the illness, but they tend to experience uh, those thoughts during depressive episodes uh, when their mood is low and low uh, for sustained periods of time. Sarah was always a somewhat neurotic and anxious kid. In high school, she had self-esteem issues. She didn't like her body. She fantasized about boys she says likely didn't even know that she existed and she was bullied from time to time, like most kids are at some point in their life. But her emotional and mental struggles were pretty similar to many other teens trying to create an identity during these confusing, formative adolescent years. And like many teens, Sarah's sense of self-identity was heavily influenced by her friends. Sarah met Molly in gym class when she was 14. We would spend every day together. Um, We became this team. We would dress up every Wednesday. I remember one theme was cats versus dogs, and I dressed up like a cat, and she dressed up like a dog, and we put um, signs around the school where we would ask people to um, mark whether they like cats or dogs better, and at the end of the day, one of them would win. Um, That was the kind of stuff we would do all the time. And one day, Sarah and Molly decided to start a band. My first band, the OLs, started when we were probably 15 or 16. We decided that it would be fun to start a band, and we didn't really think much of it. We just wrote really silly songs uh, and put them on MySpace. And when we came back from winter break, 
It was like everyone in the school had heard the songs. People were stopping us in the hallways. People who would never have talked to us before and, you know, saying, I really like your songs. And um, it was a very surreal experience for two little nerdy girls in high school. The OLs have this uncanny ability to make me want to simultaneously dance and quietly sit in deep self-contemplation. The music's playful, and the lyrics provide tongue-in-cheek commentary about breakups and boys, but it still exudes maturity. It speaks to the personal struggle we all experience. This song is called I Hate the Sun. It's off the OL's 2011 self-titled debut EP. Sarah and Molly and the rest of their bandmates were writing songs, playing shows around town, and getting good press. But Sarah's mental health was quickly deteriorating. She had emotional breakdowns seemingly out of nowhere during band practice, and on a few occasions entered a romantic relationship with a bandmate which put stress on the band, and as you might expect, it never ended well. Sarah was losing control, and her friendship with Molly, it wasn't immune to the chaos. I think that I leaned on her a lot. Um, because I was so scared. I just didn't know what was happening. I feel like I loved her more than my boyfriend. She was, she was uh, my sister, really. And eventually, I remember we had this meeting at a mall food court. We were going to have a talk, and she just told me, I can't take care of you anymore, um, and I don't want to be your friend until you get help. And I... I couldn't say anything throughout the whole conversation. I just cried the entire time. Um, and I, I mean, I knew that she was right in, in a way that I, that I needed help, but, but I didn't want to admit it. And I, I really, really needed her. Um, and basically after that, the band couldn't survive. The other band members left with Molly. So Sarah was left with a choice. Let the band die or recruit new people. The next two years saw a revolving door of band members. She met lots of talented musicians and great people, but it was never quite the same as playing with Molly. Sarah's mental health became progressively worse over the next couple of years. Thoughts of suicide intensified, she dropped out of school, and it was extremely difficult for her to keep a job or a relationship. When, when I wake up and open my eyes, I feel like I'm having to claw through sand to get out of bed. It's, it's heavy. It's exhausting. It's very hard to think. And when I get really depressed um, and reach kind of that suicidal point, it can be anywhere from, you know, just casually thinking about, you know, what would be good is, is you know, if I, if I overdosed on some pills. or I, I just remember one morning waking up and police officers are at my door because somebody is worried that I've overdosed. And I had taken a lot of pills, and I just throw up. This is just, I mean, not who, who, uh, who I see myself as. You know, being dragged away 
by, by police officers on a regular basis or, you know, being rushed off to hospitals. But that that's kind of where it, where it can bring me is, you know, I, I usually would do something like take as many pills as I, as I had in my house. And luckily, it's never been enough to kill me. Having bipolar disorder has obviously affected Sarah negatively in a lot of ways. Unmedicated, she is prone to severe mood swings and finds it extremely difficult to develop any kind of daily routine that makes her life more manageable. At its worst, her mental illness has caused her severe emotional anguish and to self-harm. But for all the barriers it's created, Sarah still believes it's had at least one benefit. She believes her bipolar disorder is a primary driver of her musical creativity. I don't think I would be a musician if I if I didn't have bipolar disorder. I've found that music and writing songs is a way to organize all of the noise and voices in my head. And I don't know that I would have the same drive to do it if I didn't have crazy thoughts. It has also, I think, affected my songwriting positively because I've had to really delve into my brain and, you know, inspect every part of me, um, even the parts I don't like. And I take that and I use those things to write my songs. And I think a lot of people connect with that, um, the honesty of my music. So I, in that, in that sense, I am grateful that I can write songs that make people feel less alone. And I think having bipolar adds something to do with that. Over the last decade, Sarah's song themes have evolved and matured. They've progressed from being about fictional love interests to real boys she liked and dated, to songs about herself and her mental illness and the pain of losing friends, control, and confidence in herself. Sarah is nearly finished recording her first full-length solo album under the moniker Sarah Jickling and Her Good Bad Luck. Okay, so I see that your ukulele's over there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, maybe we can just sit here on these two seats. Okay. Yeah. Let me uh, tune it. Sure. have a name gosh my old ukulele used to be called ryan gosling i haven't named this one <laughs> uh this song is called when i get better Just 
Right now I'm doing okay. I'm on a lot of low doses of things right now, so fortunately it hasn't numbed me out like a lot of people say they experience. I still, you know, feel a lot of feelings of love, so I can still feel emotions, thank God. When Sarah left the O'Wells and decided to become a solo artist, she had to let go of a lot of things that were causing her pain. This included her anger towards Molly for, as she saw it, abandoning her. Molly was a closer friend than most people have in a lifetime. And if you've ever experienced and lost a friendship like that, with each passing year, it becomes a little harder to believe that you'll ever get that back. I, I messaged her and said, you know, I'm sorry for everything that happened. It was so crazy. I made a lot of bad decisions, and maybe you did too. Um, I don't think we understood what was going on. And she messaged me back and said, everything is water under the bridge. We were being silly. Let's hang out. And we have, and we, we get along really well. And we have same sense of humor still. Uh, so we l- make each other laugh, and it's, it's, it's very nice. I don't think that we will ever be, you know, those soulmates like we were before, but I think that was kind of unhealthy for both of us. So I'm glad that we are two separate people with separate lives um, who can occasionally get together and laugh. Sarah's decision to reach out to Molly was an attempt to heal their friendship. And I think Sarah's decision to explore her mental illness in her music is an attempt to heal herself. Not in the sense of curing her bipolar disorder, but as a way to come to terms with the fact that she has it. I think great art tries to further our understanding of the world and our place in it. And I think Sarah is trying to do the same thing with her music. And I want to give a happy ending to this This is Sarah speaking at the Interesting Vancouver 2015 event. There's no, no better for me. There's no better for any of us. My psychiatrist told me that the first day that she diagnosed me with bipolar, she said, this is a long road and it never goes away. But that's the way that life is, right? I guess we get better and worse and better and worse. And bipolar is just like this really exaggerated version of that. It's very fun. (laughs) And so that's been my, my journey. I remember... Last year, I walked into the Douglas Copeland Art Gallery exhibit, and there was this this painting with a with a quote on it, and it said, "It doesn't go away; you just learn how to live with it." And that just hit me right in the heart. He broke down the last six years of my life into two sentences, and to me, that's art. That's what I want to do with my music. When I get better, if I get better, when I get better, I swear it's true, I will be taking care of you.
This has been Interesting Vancouver Presents Sarah Jicklin. This episode was hosted and produced by me, David Swanson, with support from Brett McFarlane and Mark Bussey, in association with SFU Woodward's Graphic Designers of Canada and Creative Mornings Vancouver. Through talks, workshops, and programs, Interesting Vancouver celebrates the people and activities that can only happen in Vancouver and by Vancouverites. For more information, to subscribe, or to get in touch with us, please visit interestingvancouver.com. I'm David Swanson. Thank you for listening. <laughs>